Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast, a deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to MojonSports.com. The bio series continues with a profile of Sean White, 37-year-old native of White Rock, B.C., who just completed his 15th CFL season with the B.C. Lions. White has played in 186 regular season CFL games and also won a Grey Cup with Edmonton in 2015. He's had a great career and a great journey. Sean White, the bio, next. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at stokodesign.com. The K1 Embrace system wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. Stokodesign.com Got to tell you about my friends at the Clayton Public House. Talk about a great room. Just huge, spacious, plenty of light. The food is unbelievable. And by the way, did I mention they just rented their patio? Check it all out. The Clayton Public House, 5640 188th Street in Surrey. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to episode number 40, MojonSports.com. The bio series continues with one of the Canadian Football League's most outstanding kickers. And I'm not just talking about during his career. I'm talking all time. And that is Sean White of the BC Lions. Sean, thanks for doing this. Looking forward to hearing your story and how you got to where you are. Oh, it's a it's a long journey, that's for sure. Well, let's start right from the beginning. Born in White Rock. Tell us a little bit about growing up in White Rock. Uh, well, a uh, beautiful city, first of all. Um, but I was, uh, I was a sports guy. I played a little bit of everything. My three main sports when I was five was hockey, baseball, soccer. Once I got a little older, I added tennis and golf to the competition list. Once I got to high school, then I got into rugby as well. So I was playing all those sports at once. And uh, really, I was a rugby guy. I was kicking one day, and Wally Bono saw me, basically, and or, or heard of me. Uh, I, Actually, sorry, let me back up. His son heard of me and invited me to play for the White Rock Titans. That's what it was, Mike Buono. First of all, my dad said no to no more any more sports, so I was playing too many at the time. And uh, there was one weekend my parents went away, and a man of uh, named Grant Pearson knocked on my door. And uh, he just said, he's like, I'm, I, I run the White Rock Titans. We need a kicker. Just please come out and kick for us. If you don't like it, I'll never ask you to play again. So I'm like, perfect. My parents aren't here to say no. They were in Vegas at the time. And uh, they said, uh, he's like, yes, this weekend. So I was walking out the door. My parents just happened to come in at the exact same time. And uh, I played a game with White Rock that day. And uh, I made three big kicks, 45, 47, 49 yarder. And after the game, uh, 
my coaches were, were telling me that the Lions coach wants to talk to you. And I'm like, we're the Lions. Like, I didn't think BC Lions. I was thinking like a junior team, college team. And uh, it was Wally Buono. His son was on the team and I had no real idea. It was other people asking me to play for White Rock. So uh, he just said, you have power. You just kick like a rugby player. So come out and work with us. So I just went out uh, in 2003. I went out to as many practices as I could. Took time off work uh, to work with uh, Curtis Head at the time. And uh, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with BC Lions. So you only took like, you only started kicking field goals, what, 16, 17? Uh, yeah, no, I was 18 years old in 2003. 18. How did you develop the leg strength, the power? Was it rugby? Was it soccer? Or It was, must have been a mixture of everything. I was just, I was not to be cocky. I was a pretty well-rounded athlete. You know my, my family pretty well. We're all sports nuts. And, uh, you know, I was just, sports is my thing. Uh, you read me, make me read a book. I can't do it. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I was just a big sports guy. I was always athlete. Athletics was always my thing. So uh, I was always good in soccer. I had a strong leg, but the ball was always going too high. So it was perfect for me to kick uh, kick field goals. But I was known for my kicking ability in rugby. You know, my brother, he was good at kicking. And that kind of, uh, that was always throughout my family. Uh, I had a family of good kickers in rugby. So my dad would come out to Samiyama with me and watch me kick and, Basically, you tweak things. And, and uh, once you got to BC Lions, I started working with Don Sweet, and he uh, he really dialed me in. So growing up, did you play other sports? I mean, you, you talked about some of the other sports, but were any of them serious? Like, did you ever think that, hey, I'm going to be a hockey player, I'm going to be a baseball player? Who did you grow up kind of like idolizing? Because it didn't sound like you knew too much about football until you were like 17 or 18. No, I, I watched. I would go to BC Lion games and I, I, I'd watch. I used to love Emmett Smith just because he was a little guy and that, uh, he was just so explosive. And I always liked the, the smaller athletes. I looked up to those guys, obviously, me being a smaller guy. But uh, uh, my dad was pretty choked when I quit baseball. Um, he thought I could have gone to college for that. I just didn't find it that exciting, especially the sports I was playing. I was playing hockey at the time. I don't think I was big enough or uh, for hockey or fast enough. But soccer, you know, my team was very good in NBC. We represented Canada, went over to England and played. I thought maybe maybe soccer, but uh, honestly, my dream was always to be a firefighter. And uh, I was going to get a trade uh, and start going that route. And that's when basically I was asked to play football. So football found me. Big Canuck fan growing up, I understand you love Pavel Bure. That's why you wore number 10 during your football career. Oh, yeah. That 93-94 Canucks and Blue Jays, that, those were my two favorite teams of all time. And uh, Pavel Bure, was just, oh, he's unbelievable. And uh, so, yeah, I always, and I love the number 10. I was a fly half in rugby, so I always the number 10 just followed me around. Uh, but the Blue Jays also, I got to be the bat boy for the Seattle Mariners that year, uh, actually in 94. So I got to meet the you know John Olerud. My dad had me convinced of Devon White was my cousin for years. And uh, my like, why does he come to family dinners? And he goes, well, he's an athlete. He's working hard. You gotta, that's what you got to do to be an athlete. You got to work hard. And, uh, you know, I got to meet all my, my favorite players of all time. I have the ball over there send by, signed by Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Sr. So, How did you uh, wind up becoming Bat Boy? Who was the hookup? How, what was the connection? My brother, Jeff. Uh, he entered me in a contest to be the Milk Duds Bat Boy for the game. It, it was always wow. Canada Day. The Blue Jays played in the Kingdom on Canada Day mm -hmm. every year. So my family went every year. And back then, there was no exchange rate in the stadium. So the stadium was full of people from BC and Alberta. So there's three Bat Boys. It was me and two other Bat Boys. They're Americans. But the whole stadium's Canadian. So they're announcing our names. 
they went to two Americans first and then they went to me and I was about eight years old. And basically when he said from White Rock, BC, the whole place erupted. I couldn't even hear my name and it was just such an awesome feeling. I knew that day. I'm like, oh, I want to be a pro athlete so bad. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. It was such a cool experience. So, Man, I'd, I'd love to see photos of that if you have those kicking no, around. So great story about that too. My old man's the worst with a camera. He didn't have his camera charged. So he got oh. nothing. He got absolutely nothing. Wow. Well, maybe oh. give the Mariners a call, see what they have in their archives. All <laughs> right, so you go to BC, you start kicking it during practice, I guess, as a protected player. Tell us how you got involved in organized football, actually playing in games. Well, like like I said, I just showed up for that day, uh, and I would start playing. I just played that one day. I made three kicks and then just continued on. And that year we actually had a really good team. We had uh, you know Josh Bowden at the time was on the team. Uh, another guy, Doug Goldsby, who ended up playing safety for Montreal Alouettes. And we had a really good team. And, uh, you know, just we just couldn't cut it at the end. But uh, the year after that, I started playing junior ball for the Surrey Rams. And then uh, after that year, that's when Wally told my parents that, uh, that I had a future in football because I worked with Curtis Head in 03. I uh, worked with uh, Duncan O'Manny in 04. And then, and, uh, and then that's when he told my parents I want, he wanted me to go to Berkeley and pay for Tedford. And he goes, write the SATs. All you need is an 820. I did actually really good. I got a tutor for months. And then uh, I found out I had to upgrade a math mark from high school. And so they sent me to Santa Monica Junior College to upgrade my mark. And basically, uh, Wally just said, he goes, a D1 school doesn't want you. We won't want you. So, you know, that was kind of what I was working towards is get the D1 scholarship. And again, I could go on. The story is crazy. It's just after my two years of junior college, my dad had a heart attack. So I stayed home for the summer break. During that summer break, Wally called me and said, hey, do you are you home? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, we need you for rookie camp. Because by the time they had Paul McCallum, they didn't want him kicking at rookie camp. So we need a kicker for rookie camp. Come and help us. So I said, for sure. And I've been doing it for years now. So I was used to that. And, but I, I had a really good camp, a really good three days. And on the third day, Wally called me over and said, he goes, uh, Right before a field goal, he said, uh, you make this kick, we're keeping you. Or sorry, he, sorry, he didn't say that. He said, if you, uh, this kick means something. That's what he said. And I said, what does it mean? He goes, I'm not telling you. So I made the kick after practice. He, he called me over and said, if you make this kick, I'm keeping you. And if not, I'm sending you back to school. I'm like, well, I made the kick. And he goes, well, I got to cut you today. But be ready to bring you, or we're going to bring you back in a couple of days. So they traded Rob Bakula and kept me as their backup. And that was in 2007. So I played junior ball with the Big Kahuna Rams that year and practiced full-time with the Lions at the same time. You know, the interesting thing about kickers and been around football long enough to know that, man, and we've seen it in BC within the last couple of years, you can find some guy kicking 65 yarders on YouTube or, you know, just on an empty field. Um, and nailing, you know, five out of five from 65 or seven or whatever the number is. Yet you get him into a game situation, or hell, even a scrimmage situation with a rush, that pressure, the adrenaline. What is it about kickers that you take those guys, that separates those guys hitting the 65-yarders in practice and not being able to do it in games, and the guys who can do it? And it, I know it's the mental toughness, it's the mental component, but what is that mental component? Because we always talk about it, but how do you define it? It's it's so hard to define it, and like people ask me, like, oh, how do you you don't look nervous? And I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but honestly, it, uh, 
I, I just practice so much and de develop muscle memory and visualize in a dark room over and over again, again, a perfect snap, perfect hold, perfect kick, perfect snap, perfect hold, perfect kick. And then even kicking into the wind, just everything's perfect. And just to develop that muscle memory so that when you get into that situation where your body is just getting taken over by nerves, that my body, my brain just switches off. Everything, it seems like it's slow motion and uh, it just kind of takes over and it just happens. And then, um, you know, but I've, I've also learned from my mistakes early on in my career. I've, I've missed a lot of big kicks early on and I've been lucky enough to have another opportunity with another team or, or the team stayed with me. And I, I got to get through that. And, you know, I don't like to call someone out, but you look at a guy like Legio, it's all this talent, big leg strength. And he's going, he's, it's a lot of pressure doing all three in Winnipeg, especially. And, you know, but I think if they stick with him, I think he's going through some stuff that will teach him how to be a better kicker. And it's, it's hard to train for that unless you're in that situation. And uh, that's all I can say is not like you played sport too. It's hard to explain. Like the nerves take over sometimes, especially when you're golfing and it's even with the boys and it's a big, big shot. Then it's easy to take over the entire body. And when I, even now, like when I make a going for a big kick, I know it's there. I feel the lights, you feel the people, you feel the cameras. And it feels like you're just getting crushed. The posts even kind of do that. But then I just trust my routine, trust my ability and my technique, really, uh, really buy into technique. And you hear golfers say, stay aggressive. And then it's the same thing with kicking. I got to stay down, stay aggressive. And uh, and usually it'll work out. It's when I miss, I talk myself out of it. That's usually, I'd say 90, 99% of the time I talk myself out of it. It's uh, a lot of that is just getting through that experience and going through those times and a lot of people don't get that opportunity and some people don't ever make it past. Like they could screw up that opportunity and never get that chance again. So one thing before we get to the break, and that is the fact that, you know, you talk about perfect snap, perfect hole, perfect kick. I don't think people realize how much of a there's, well, the three components to kicking because everyone always thinks it's just up to the kicker. I mean, you got to trust your, your snapper. You got to trust your holder and it's, it takes some execution. It's not as just, it's like, I mean, the, the public always thinks it's just on the kicker, but it's not. No, not at all. And, uh, and like, that's why, that's why people ask me like, well, what's going on with kickers early in the season? Like, what's with kickers? Well, it's usually they're, they're trying to find that rhythm still with, with the snapper holder and coming out of camp, you're sharing reps with another guy and you never really get the starting snapper holder the whole entire time. So you're still trying to develop that chemistry. I'm a believer in just let me have those guys. If I'm the guy, let me be that guy with the starting snapper and holder. So we're in a rhythm already. But, you know, coaches like to mess with your mind in camp and, you know, make it difficult. And I agree with that too. But um, I'm lucky that I have a Tanner Dahl and Stefan Flintoff that just take pride in being really good. Flint, if I don't have a good game, Flint's pissed. And yeah. like, cause he, and uh, he's awesome, man. He's, I'd say Flint's my best holder. Don't tell him that. But he's the best <laughs> holder I've ever had in my whole career by far he because i when i i don't i used to watch the snap now i just watch the tee because i don't want my eyes moving i play a lot of darts and when you play darts you don't want your eyes to move and then it's the same thing with this i just want to stare at that tee and i'm just watching his hands and uh he makes i'm not not to get yeah, not to call out tan or anything but he's not going to make them every time but he makes bad snaps look good and uh, they talk about it amongst themselves i've never talked to them about a snapper a whole the whole entire season and uh but I, what i love about them is they go and talk amongst each other how to make it right and 
and they do it, man. They're they're phenomenal, and as long as they're around, they make me look pretty good, and uh, I'm going to continue to be successful with those two guys. More of Sean White after these messages. Like what you hear? We'd love to have you on board with us as a partner. If you have a business that could benefit from partnering with us, please contact us at mojohnsports.com. Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire and Langley. OK Tire and Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire and Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Sean, let's talk about the start of the pro career. Um, you know, I look at your career, and in a way, I kind of think of Paul McCallum. And what I mean by that is the fact that when McCallum tried to break in with the Lions, Louis Pasagli was there, CFL legend, goes to other teams in the league, and then finishes up in BC. And I look at yourself, and I mean, you know, it's kind of the same route. I mean, you came into BC, and it was Paul McCallum now who's that, quote, legend. The guy's been kicking into his 40s obviously now a Hall of Famer, and you've kind of got to go do your tour around the league and then come back to BC in the second part of your career. But let's just start with the first part. What was it like actually kicking for your hometown team at the start of your career? It was surreal, to be honest. Uh, I'll never forget the game where Paul got hurt and basically everyone's looking at me because I got the next game and you know, I, I remember Farhan Lalji walking by. He goes, "How's your punting?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no, this is gonna be is gonna be uh it's gonna be scary because I wasn't ready, man. I I was I was a little cocky back then. I thought I was ready. Um, I was strong, but again, like we just talked about, getting that game experience with that pressure, it's a different beast when you're in there because now you feel like everyone's jobs are on the line." And I can fix like a lot of mistakes just by kicking a field goal here. And like, it, so it's, you feel it, you definitely feel it. And uh, I did really well at the beginning. Uh, and then also another thing, I was always a quiet sheltered guy. You get to know the younger guys start to go out a bit more, you know, and you start to be a pro athlete and you getting treated different. So that was a, a learning experience for me is you got to be a pro on and off the field. And uh, I definitely learned my lesson because uh, I remember I was doing really good at the beginning. I started to slow down. I did get tired and because uh, I was doing all three. And I'm also I don't think I was technically ready yet either. Uh, I, could, I still had a lot of polishing to go. Um, but then uh, I remember Wally called me into his office and he goes, are you tired? 
I'm like, no, I'm not tired. He goes, have you been going out with the boys a little too much? And I'm like, no, I just go out to be a good teammate. What are you talking about? And he, but he knows me and he knows my family. And he knows everything. And he goes, no, nah. he goes, I want you to learn how something uh, can be easily taken away from you. So we're going to put Paul back in uh, just so you can learn this lesson type of thing. And it was a learning lesson, man. I wanted to cry my eyes out. I just, we were going into the playoffs and I wanted to play a playoff game from my hometown so bad. And uh, I had to wait 12, 13 years for it until until this season. And uh, But it was definitely a learning experience. But uh, after that, you know, that was 2009, 2010. I played four games. I don't know if you did. You remember the game I didn't have? I wasn't supposed to play. Yeah, so, I was uh, I was working the sidelines that game where Paul McCallum, uh, his name wasn't submitted on the roster sheet by Neil yeah. McAvoy. So yeah. there's all this confusion. I remember Paris Jackson actually punted yeah. maybe one or two times at the start of the game because they didn't want to put you in because if you were ineligible, they would have forfeited the game. So they were waiting for a ruling from the league, and you eventually wind up being eligible to play, and Paul wasn't, obviously. Yeah, so I, I played the week before because – Paul tweaked something. We're going to Winnipeg, and they just said, Paul, take a break. They let me kick, and I had a really good game. But I'm thinking next week I'm going to be chilling. So, uh, But Wally liked me kicking at warm-up to rest Paul's leg. Paul didn't have to. He could just do his normal warm-up. But he wanted me to showcase myself because I was trade bait, basically. So uh, I was just – I would kick for three hours pregame, just showcasing myself, doing basically a workout. And then uh, we were at Empire Field that year, too. So, you know, I went up, showered, come back down. And uh, now the game has started. I think it was J.R. LaRose broke his leg. So there's like a, a long pause and people are yelling at each other. I look at Paul. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, you might have to play. I'm like, yeah, right. And I look at Wally and Wally just turned, get your shite on. And then. Uh, <laughs> so now hold on. Uh, you, yeah. you, like you didn't have pads or shoulder pads or your no. helmet there, did you? Nothing. Well, I brought my own cleats and helmet from warm-up. That's it. So Cato Cato had to cut a jersey to fit me. If you look at the old film, it's almost like on an angle. Uh, They put these pants. I had to roll up. It was just terrible. I borrowed Paul McCallum's shoulder pads. They're from like the 70s. I'm sure that that one went over well. Oh, no. So it it was brutal. And uh, But, yeah, but then I had a 48-yarder at the end of that game to tie the game. And basically that that started my career right there, that one kick, because Montreal – they told me they saw that kick, and that's why they wanted to trade for me uh, the next season. So it was a great opportunity for me, but I feel like every everything crazy that could happen always happens to me. <laughs> 2011, you get that opportunity in Montreal. You were with the Alouettes for several years. What was that experience like in Montreal? It was phenomenal. Um, first two years, uh, well, my first year I was on a, on a team that just won back-to-back great cups. So uh, at first it was kind of hard to fit in. I didn't. I had the worst camp ever. Uh, first three quarters of it, I was terrible, but then I started turning it on. I got in really good rhythm. And, uh, I remember my first game, uh, that year was against the BC lions at home, uh, well in Montreal. And I think I was about 25 yards out and I doinked one off the right upright. And then after that, we went 25 straight, uh, me and Ricky Santos, uh, but it was an awesome season playing with AC or with ACE and Anthony Calvillo and. Uh, those guys were awesome. It was phenomenal. Those two years with Mark Tressman, I learned a lot. Mark Tressman taught me a lot. And uh, it was a fun time. And then once that coaching staff kind of went away, they went to Chicago Bears, things weren't the same anymore. Uh, it was a struggle to find a coaching staff to kind of fit in. And it, it was a tough few years, uh, to be honest. And then, uh, yeah, eventually got my release and went to uh, 
uh, Edmonton. They picked me up right away, went 12 straight in a great cup. So that was great. Yeah, that was a blessing in disguise. I mean, you go from the low of being released by Montreal. They brought in Boris Beatty, of course, and you go to Edmonton and you kind of join them mid-season. And the next thing you know, you're playing at a great cup game and winning it. And I mean, you just probably thinking to yourself, what the hell just happened? I just got oh. the lowest of lows and being cut. Yeah. And then the highest of highs in terms of winning that great cup. Oh, it's phenomenal. And honestly, I was so, I'm so lucky even with that. Like, uh, they asked me to be on the practice roster. I said, not a chance, no way. And, uh, I went upstairs, talked to my dad. And my dad said, uh, no, it's like, you got to go to finish the season, go do it. Call him back. Say you're going to go. I'm like, all right, fine. I called him back and okay, be here Sunday. And I think it was on a Thursday. Like, okay, no problem. I'll drive. You don't need to fly me. And, uh, they called me back an hour later. Hey, can you be here today? I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? They're like, no, nothing. We're, we just prefer you here today. But what happened was within that hour of me saying yes to the PR roster there, and uh, Grant Shaw ran out onto the practice field and tore his calf. So I show up that night or the next day for practice, and uh, he's not there. We we're going into a Labor Day Classic against Calgary. And uh, so I had one practice. I hadn't kicked the ball in about a month and uh straight into a calgary game and, uh, it was phenomenal we lost the first game and then we started winning and winning and winning i will never forget we won the western final and i looked at mike riley and he just looked at me it was funny how things happen eh? i'm like that is just wild how that that whole thing happened it was and that was a phenomenal team phenomenal phenomenal year it was so much fun that was one of the closest teams i've ever been on until this last uh, bc lions team that's for sure what was it like when you finally win that Grey Cup? And at the time, I think you're, what, 30? I mean, what emotions did you feel? It was, again, it was just, didn't really hit me until like a few days later. And you, you're in Edmonton. There's a parade and everything. We've got the cup on Rexall Ice where Wayne Gretzky played. And that's, it was just like, what the heck is going on? It was just so surreal because I didn't have the greatest Grey Cup game, but the team pulled through and played amazing. And, uh it was just, uh, I never thought I would get a great cup. You know, it's, you can play, I don't know how many guys have played for, what, 15 years and never win a cup. It's a, a very elusive trophy, that thing. We had a great conversation with Mitch Berger. Um, I don't know if you can look up the podcast at mojohnsports.com, but he was talking the night before the Super Bowl. He was, like, having anxiety. I think it was either the night, it might have even been on the, the way to the game. Like, all these anxiety attacks, right? Like, just, yeah. you know, you don't want to be that Scott Norwood. Right. And he kind of, you know, <laughs> talked himself out of it. But did you ever go, do you ever go through anything like that at, at times where you, you know, you start thinking like those thoughts race through your head and you, you kind of got to quash them? Uh, not pregame. Um, I'm usually pretty good. But, uh, you know, when games get tight and, you know, it's coming down to me to make a kick and sometimes I'm running out there, I'm like, don't screw this one up, you idiot. And just kind of, <laughs> it's so easy to think negative about yourself and, and talk yourself out of a kick. And it's the same thing as golf. It's so easy to talk yourself out of a shot. Maybe I should swing a little bit harder. And like, I should never cross my mind. Just normal swing every time. Normal swing every time. And it's, you know, uh, I'm shaking my head because Paul McCallum uses a golf analogy all the time. I don't know if he ever talked to you about that, but I know Paul has talked to me about that in the past. Like for him, kicking and golf are so intertwined in terms of just mentally and even just in terms of your swing, right? Swing that nine iron, swing the four iron the same way you swing the nine iron, right? So it's yeah. it's amazing how much there's how much crossover there is between the two sports when it comes to kicking. 
Absolutely. And that's when I train kids about that, if they're, if they're golfers, I can train them. And it's, it's very easy to get that point across. And it's everything's the exact same thing as golf. And I got to work with Paul for what was his backup for four or five years, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, I know he didn't really want to coach me because I, I was his competition, but I, I watched, man, and listened to him. And we have the same beliefs when it comes to technique because that guy would come in after training or after an off season said he barely kicked the ball and then goes out and just that nice, super easy. He's like Ernie else for golf, just big, easy, just so easy. And it, you could actually watch my progression this year. I came in in better shape than I normally do. I felt good. So I was swinging a little harder. So I had a bit of a cut in my ball and then I missed two in Saskatchewan. And then that's when I was like, okay, what the hell am I doing here? And uh, I just slowed everything down and just, it was just like, okay, we got to slow the tempo down. And if you watch a golfer on the range, they have, they start with their short irons and go real slow. So that's why I started doing a warm up. I start close and work my short irons and then stretch them back, but try to keep that same, sw that same swing. And I noticed when I'm kicking a 32 yard point after, if I do the same swing at 52, there's no different. It's, it will go 52. But after 52, I usually have to just swing a little higher. I don't have to swing harder, swing higher, and I'll get that power and lift. So it's the exact same thing as golf, head down, swing easy, swing to one o'clock. Hey, how much different are you mentally, say, now than when you were younger? And I say that because I still see a lot of fire in you. I mean, I remember the game against Toronto, and I remember getting back to the airport and we landed, and I don't think you said a word. You just went right into your car. You were pissed. But I'm uh, thinking to myself, if that's you now, I wonder <laughs> what you were like when you were 24 and you missed a kick at the end of the game. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I was probably about the same. Uh, I'm just competitive, man. I hate losing, and I hate being the reason we lose. Again, those guys fought. They like that's. I played other sports. I played rugby. I've been hit and get and had to tackle all that. Now all I do is stand there and kick. And I watched those guys battle and battle, and they got us back in the game. Got me in a position where I could tie the game, and I do that. And it wasn't even a good kick. It was a knuckleball. Like that was. It was just brutal. And. uh that's what really pisses me off. Like I didn't even give it a chance. And uh, I just feel bad for the guys. It's nothing to do with, like, I don't feel for me at all. I feel for the guys that battle and put their bodies on the line. I, I hate letting them down because for me, the biggest, like, the biggest thing for me is my, my, my teammates' respect and their trust. If they, I, w I just want you guys to trust me. That, that's the biggest thing. And uh, that's what makes me feel good. And I want them to know that I'm going to make a kick when I go out in the field. So when I miss that kick, it's just completely gutting. It's you know, the, the interesting thing about it too is like, it, it's amazing. And I talked to, to Rick Campbell about this one time on a flight home. And it might have actually even been after the Toronto game because I remember one time when I was coaching at UBC, we had a playoff game against Calgary at home, goes into overtime. Our guy misses the kick. Their guy comes down, hits the kick, and that's our season. We're done. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like Monday, I'll never forget walking to our facility. I'm thinking to myself, if he hits that kick, our entire perception of that body of work changes. You know what I'm going? You know I'm going with that. It's just like instead of us, you know, being there and packing everything up and seeing, you know, we should have done this or we could have done this better or you know we should have done this in this situation, we would have been we would have felt like kings. We would have been talking about all the positives that occurred during the game and how we battled and this. And it was just because of that one kick, but that and one, that's kick, what I mean. Like yeah, I said earlier, you're like, it, yeah. but it's unfair because in reality, the body of work is still there. 
-hmm. but it changes the, your perception of it changes dramatically because of a missed kick. Yeah. And that's what I was saying earlier. I, I can fix all the mistakes in the game just by one kick. And like, that's, that's what kills me, man. It's saying that's, that's the crappy part about being a kicker. And then you just, uh, it's the worst feeling in the world when you miss one of those. And then, are, are you surprised sometimes? Cause a buddy of mine talks about this all the time. He goes for the life of him. He says, I don't understand, particularly when it comes to the NFL. And that is, how many games are decided by field goals? Why not have guys that are complete money and pay those guys and keep <laughs> those guys because they're they could be the difference, say maybe in three or four games during the course of the year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get how they're scouting down there. I think you make a seventy yarder, you're gonna get hired down there. So I don't know. It's weird sometimes. I'm not saying there's they're all bad, but there's some guys I'm why I don't understand. Just don't yeah. understand. So. All right, a um, couple things before we let you go. You re-signed with BC. You obviously are going to finish your career here with the Lions. Um, what does that mean for you doing the full cycle, coming back and playing in front of family and friends and hopefully playing in a Grey Cup game this year and next year? Yeah, um, when I heard we had the Grey Cup at 24, I'm like, oh, i got to do two more. I don't want to miss that opportunity to win one at home. And this means everything to me. This is a, it's a dream come true. Uh, to start my career, I wanted to be a line. I've always been a line. It's uh, I've always had my the corner of my eye looking back, just what's going on in BC. I want to come back home, and I finally got the opportunity. And I'm on a great team, great coaching staff, great management, owner. Everything is uh, is lining up so good. We got a great core group of guys, a uh, lot of characters, and what you need, and guys on the same page. We all want to win. We're here to win. No one's happy just being here. We all want to win, and that's. Uh, that's a team I want to be on. And at the same time, you started to make the transition. You're getting your foot in the door when it comes to so the White Rock Fire Department, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, time, re re recently engaged as well. So congratulations. <laughs> so like you're prepping big time for life after football. <laughs> yeah, I'm 37. feel like I should grow up. I probably will never grow up, but at least look the part. Um, no, everything's going really good. Uh, I'm in a great spot here. The fire hall is just down the street from me and to be able to give back to my community of White Rock where I was born and raised and is pretty uh, it's pretty awesome, man. It's literally this last year has been a dream come true, and hopefully it helps me for for my life after football. And who knows, maybe I'll get hired by White Rock, so that'd be great. Uh, but at the same time, um, I'm going to enjoy what, I'm, what I have right now, and I'm very lucky. Well, uh, to the undisputed heavyweight champion of the BC Lions golf fraternity, um we'll give you that one um All even right. though I mean, there's some guys that claim they might be better than you but forget Mackie, villa mazar um who else is there there's a couple more guys Flint, that are flint's good flint's yeah good flint's golfer. good yeah yeah but I'll, I'll give it to you seeing from what i've seen yeah. in your golf game um <laughs> I, I will say one thing though because you are engaged and this will eventually happen hopefully you start a family that handicap Love it yeah. right now because once you start a family, baby, that handicap <laughs> is gone. It's going to be a – before I got married, I was a six. What do you know? 13. Yeah, no so kidding. Enjoy these days while you still can, my friend. All right. I'll sneak out and golf with you any day, much. Well, Sean, this has been a treat. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, great stuff and continued success both on and off the field. And obviously look forward to seeing you soon. Perfect. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media.
With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com.